0: It's time for Up with the White and Gold. He's GT John Watts. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome into another uh, fun field night. We actually have so many super positive things to talk about. But first things first, how are you, John?
1: Uh, pretty good. Um, like I said, pretty good and pretty good. Weekend. It was, you know, I mean, the Georgia, Georgia sports had a pretty good weekend last couple of days. Sorry for you, uh, New York fans. Um, it happens. but uh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was a pretty good
0: weekend. Hey, and like I've been saying, in, in all po- in, in all like likelihood or whatever, we knew the Braves would more, more than likely win the division. We, I pretty much knew the Mets would probably be a wild card. So when it finishes that way, nothing really surprised me. So I feel pretty good about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great season for them battling the to the end. I mean, it's it's
0: fun to watch. Yeah, and you know the Mets didn't mess. They actually won a hundred games. They got outplayed by a better team and didn't win the division. That's, I mean, at least they you know there's there's always the yearly collapse that didn't happen. You just have two really good teams who just so happen to both win over a hundred games and they're in the same division.
1: Yeah, it's good for baseball.
0: Yeah, definitely good for baseball. But we want to get into things that are good for Georgia Tech, and there are a lot of good things for Georgia Tech. Oh, before we get into that, my producer, Sunshine, is looking at me at the moment that I forgot, almost forgot the very thing that I almost forget on every single show, and that is if you would like to leave us a question, comment, suggestion, uh, your mother's chocolate cake recipe, your mother's chocolate cake, any of those things, You can go wherever you find a podcast, including Spotify, Podcast One, the iTunes Store, anywhere you find a podcast, you can do that there. If you regularly find a podcast somewhere and you cannot regularly find ours, let us know. We will definitely remedy that. If you would like to search for us on Facebook, you can do so by looking for Up With The White and Gold, Jeremy York, John Watts, Impact Media, any of that should find us. If not, you can look on Twitter where all of the Impact Media shows are listed at Team Impact Media. You can easily, that is where you can just click on a link and listen to a show. If you are so inclined to want to follow the other random things we do besides this show, uh, you can follow me at The Impact 99 on basically all the social medias, including Twitter, Triller, TikTok, Instagram. We're both on LinkedIn. And what is your social media?
1: So I am at gatjohn on Twitter. Uh, I'm on TikTok as well. Cause I don't remember that one, but I'm on there. And basically everything that he's on there, except for the trailer.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what you are on there either. We'll figure that out. <laughs> but if you can't find us in any of those places, well, there's an even simpler place. And that, of course, is to email the show, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number three, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. If you drop us a line there, I 1,000% guarantee that you will get answered by either myself or John. There's a 99% chance that it's going to be me because I oversee the account, and I will probably see it first. But uh, just drop us a line in there. We will happily get the show link to you. And I am getting... I'm getting the thumbs up from the producer that I did not forget that that time. Let's talk about this game versus Pittsburgh. Georgia Tech went to number 24, Pittsburgh. And while you could argue that Pittsburgh probably shouldn't have been ranked, they were coming into this and it counts. So uh, what was your overall takeaway from this game? You know, it's
1: not kind of we talked about last week. You know, it's uh First game with the the interim coach, interim AD. Uh there were definitely a lot of changes made. Uh one kind of very interesting one is the changing of the kicker. Um I don't know why we had the guy in here all season, but with our struggles with our kicking, uh bring you know, Brent Key comes in, or I should say comes in, he's already there. Um it brought up to the you know, head coaching and puts in Gavin Stewart. Um, Gavin has you know, amazing games, and you know for a better part of the game, he was the only one with points. So, I mean, up until and we could go all the way until the fourth quarter, and he has all 12 of 46 points at that point. Mm-hmm. So, and they end up got, I mean, we end up doing two, uh, some point after attempt as well. So I mean definitely I think we finally figured out that piece uh was definitely helped us in the long run uh for this game. Um and kind of looking at it both teams try to show up in the fourth quarter. But I mean we held on um and it really helped us out there and probably I mean without him just we'd be looking at a different situation here.
0: Yeah, and for people who don't think that kickers matter all that much, well, besides the fact that you said he accounted for majority of the points and practically all of them up until the fourth, um, the whole reason why Missouri stuck in it as long as, he did, as they did with the Bulldogs this past weekend is because they have an all-world kicker who can hit kicks from about 60 yards out, and he didn't miss any of them. So it comes down to the same thing here. Uh, the thing that struck me first on this game, and it was actually the first thing, this is something that doesn't happen very often at Georgia Tech, and if having Brent Key in charge has this happen, then he's going to just strengthen his argument that you just remove the interim from, from his uh, title. Right? It was a field goal, but they scored on the first possession they had of the game. I've watched a ton of Tech games. You've watched probably 14 billion times more than I have even. Mm-hmm. I can't recall many times they scored on the first possession. So when I see that field goal go up, I was like, oh, man, this is a whole new team.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a 12 play, 55 yards. It took three minutes to get down, you know. Yeah. And and kick, and and like you said, first drive, they kick the field goal, and then points wise, nothing else happened in that first quarter. So, I mean, get on the board, and it's it's a good thing to start out with. I mean, it's great seeing, you know, wanna open and score points. Like I said, it's, it's most are rare things. For for us and definitely when they start out in the game way it's like, okay. I know it's a first game for the new head coach, but maybe maybe we are doing something here. Maybe maybe this is definitely something what we needed is some kind of that that restart, you know, that that recharge and do it and so that was that was a good thing that we'd see there.
0: Oh yeah. And as you said, there wasn't a lot of very well outside of that field goal, the most offensive thing that happened in the first quarter was the defensive play, and and by far, um, and now that we know how to say his name, uh, I-N-D Ely, yeah, he made sure, he was stuffing the run of, of Pittsburgh so bad that the Panthers almost just abandoned the run and just started throwing from there on out because they just couldn't run on Ely, so they, they were like, we're just going to have to do something different, guys. Yeah, yeah
1: definitely. I mean, this was I mean, looking at, like I said, there weren't a whole lot of of score, so it definitely was looking very much a defensive battle. So it's great to see you know, them step up and um, start doing more. And it's kind of one of the things we talk about for them is what these things can do. Cause they really need that to kind of step up in their, their runs and run games and those kind of things. So uh, definitely a great job on this play.
0: Yeah, and, and also right there in the first – it was Ely's play of stopping the run that led to, like I said, that that led to Pitt, Pitt starting to throw it a little more, which meant we got to see this Georgia Tech pass rush kind of get after the quarterback and you get the big sack. Uh, is it Jan Joven or something? I think he's from Belgium. I, it fascinated me that first of all, there's a Belgium player that plays football and is pretty good on Georgia Tech. And then it fascinated me more that you didn't tell me about him first.
1: <laughs> I didn't think so. I mean, when you think about it, I know about that? And it was kind of crazy, cause, you know. I was almost going to ask you during the game. We were playing a global game because we had the guy from Belgium and pit Picker from Australia.
0: Yep. But uh, I guess Young Joven or whatever. Yeah, he got a he got a big sack there at the end of the first, and that defensive play by by him and Ely just this defense kept getting more confident, more confident, and by the start of the second. Pittsburgh gets the ball back, and they just—they looked disorganized on offense. It looked almost like instead of worrying about what the play was or what they were supposed to do, they were almost trying to figure out which defensive player they didn't want to run into.
1: Yeah, like I said, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going on there. I mean, definitely a little bit of just—who was—who was going to do what on that? And just, we didn't really see anything until almost the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. And you just I mean, minutes ago when you know, Tech, our, our good old boy Gavin Stewart, kicked another field goal. So, yeah, it was definitely you
0: know, kind of a test match there for a bit. It it definitely was. They chose a lot of three and outs, as you said. And uh, that 33-yard field goal, uh, a lot of people say, well, it's just a 33. You know, these other kickers, more than that. And I would say, when's the last time any of you guys tried to kick a field goal? It's not easy at all. So, uh, 6 nothing going into the or no, it's it was six nothing at that point. Uh, then a couple mistakes by Georgia Tech, you know, roughing the the passer penalty and some things like that. And Pittsburgh does find the end zone; they take a one point lead going into halftime. But you know, I don't know about your halftime thought, but I'm thinking, you know what? I still like the way Tech played that first half, and and this this thing is still wide open. They seem to still be, I guess, more in charge with sixty forty that Tech was more in charge of the game than Pittsburgh at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at the way the season kind of gone, I mean, to go I finish that first half 7-6, to six, I mean, definitely was definitely impressive there. I mean, it looked like we knew we were staying in the game, and it was a good, a good thing to see. Um, I mean, yeah, I was, you know, down in the half at one point. That's kind of almost negligible there. So, looking towards the second half, I think was definitely something that was a good thing for uh, the first game.
0: Oh, yeah, you start the third quarter, and Pittsburgh ends up with the ball because they had kicked off in the first, uh, the first half. And the first thing that happens is the Georgia Tech defense makes another big play. That calls a fumble. And of all people, there's old Charlie Thomas, hasn't been kicked out of this game yet. Maybe that's a little foreshadowing for everybody listening. Uh, Charlie Thomas picks the ball up, and he runs it all the way as far as he possibly could. Before. I don't think he's ever ran that far in the field, because he looked completely spent. And uh, he gets tackled at the red zone, but that leads to another field goal, and Georgia Tech's back up 9-7 to seven as uh, as we get to the you know, end of the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what we've been looking for. I mean, Charlie Thomas is one of our – Okay, he's on defense, so I've really be able to see him make plays like that, but uh that'll be a great thing. Glad like you said, not to get the targeting penalty again. So it was yeah, you know, that was definitely a great game there and some of the things we'll talk about in the minute, but that yeah, great game. And
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. What you know, What um you know, let's make a crazy eighties reference here. What I would say what um, Kurt Hammett is to Metallica, Charlie Thomas is to the Georgia Tech football team. I mean, this thing doesn't work without him doing all the things that he does. And, um, you know, especially when he's in the game, we we both kind of disagreed that he got kicked out of the last two. Maybe one of them okay. But when he's in there, you have to pay him attention because he is what gets the defense moving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, where we kept seeing him kind of get out, it was definitely uh, good to see in those games where after those, it was really a kind of a turning of the tide, or if not more of a turning of the tide, just the tide never came in for us in those games. So seeing him step up and get the fumble recovery and the interception later, uh, definitely, I think, definitely a good spark on the defense.
0: Yep. Because, I mean, we, you know, like I said, it's 9-7. to seven. Uh, you're, you're heading towards the end of the third, like you said. All of a sudden, Charlie gets the interception. And uh, I think lucky for him, he didn't have to run as far for this one. He got tackled kind of early in it. But uh, uh, maybe he should work on his, his short sprinting a little bit. That may be the only part of his game he should work on. But uh, you go into the fourth quarter and then start the fourth quarter off with another field goal, as you said. Uh, this kid's money. Every time they line him up it's makeable field goals and he makes them. He gets a twelve to seven lead, which, you know, you're still you're still it's still <clears> within distance of them catching you with a touchdown. But then the very first possession that Pittsburgh has in the fourth quarter, Georgia Tech causes another fumble and actually recovers it, uh I think was there two fumbles? Maybe there was two fumbles. No, this was I think it was on the very first play. They caused the fumble and and then uh, Georgia Tech recovers it immediately. And then on that drive is when Sims found Jenkins for the touchdown, the first touchdown of the game, 19-7. to 7. You get a little
1: bit of that breathing room. Yeah, was definitely on that point, you know, said so it's been kind of a really close at sort of coming up to that point, And then we we'll see that, and I'm like, okay. You know, we're it's 10 and a half left in the game, and, you know, we're starting to look like we we're, were pulling away. And, you know, of course, you know, that's never a good thing for things that the way the schedule's been, but it was good. It was it was glad, good to see, I mean, them starting to really feel that rhythm and put put things together.
0: Yeah, I think at that point, Tech fans, I think I speak for, for a lot of Tech fans, that you guys uh, finally were able to exhale. You've been holding your breath for most of this game, and you were finally able to uh, – Maybe go get some food real quick, go to the restroom. You guys could finally take a break after being on edge up to this point. You're like, you know, we're we're up 19-7. to There's still 10 minutes left. Some crazy stuff can happen. And then what does happen is Pittsburgh, on their very next drive, they fumble again. Tech gets that one. And uh, that led to – was it Hall that ran that one in? I think it was Hall on the – or no, no. That one was called back. Because
1: yeah,
0: yeah, that one was called back. Yeah, although I, I thought he was in, but uh, on the fourth and goal, didn't make it there. But uh, even even at that point, even, even you get the you get the fumble. Tech Tech has the ball. They get it all the way down the goal line. You see the fourth and goal that doesn't make it. What are you feeling at that point?
1: I mean, it's kind of I mean a little bit of. All right, we we did something. We got down there, and then you get fourth and goal, and, and the kind of the thing for me is fourth and one. If you don't make it, then you have them, you know, pin deep, mm-hmm. and you know you could make it out of that. Um, so it's like ah, oh, it sucks we didn't get the touchdown, but maybe if we can you know pin them deep, make go three and out, and get a good field position.
0: But unfortunately you know, <clears throat> for that. Pittsburgh on that next drive, uh, they had the, the really nice catch down the sideline that ended up in a touchdown. They pulled a 19-14. to There's just a minute 57 to go. And uh, it, it starts to – to the pressure
1: starts to build up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's inside – now we're inside of two minutes.
0: You know, it's down
1: a five-point game. Now it's – you know, we're here We're like, okay, are we, are we really about to blow this? Are we – <clears throat> we're about to. Sorry, Falcons fan, but we're about to pull up Falcons and blow this in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, to- you know, given the way
0: this team has been the last couple of years, that's probably the the correct thought, and it's probably the first thought that does come in your mind. You're like, oh crap, we're down five. There's two minutes. They're going to go down there. They're going to score. Doesn't matter if they kick the extra point or not. We're going to lose by one or two points. Right, and.
1: And that's that kind of feeling but it's like you know had that happen, you know it, it kind of gives you like okay is that a well, we've been losing all all season with another one, or that well, we got a new interim coach, it's what do you expect, or mm-hmm. well, are the head coach and still can't win you know that's kind of kind of feeling that what is kind of coming over at that point, um but
0: Well, and out this way, there is is, uh, Coach Nick White, who is, uh, I think he's a football coach some known for for being a great wrestling coach out here in the Carrollton area, and something he always says is very true in this situation, and that's champions adjust, and if Georgia Tech was going to be a champion this day, they had to adjust to the fact that they just gave up uh, that touchdown that, that pulled it within five, so what do they do on the next drive? You get the big run to the red zone by Hall, who makes up for not getting that fourth down. And then uh, Sims, did he run that one in? I think Sims ran that one in, did he not? And then he runs that in. All of a sudden, you're up 26 to 14 with uh, a minute 25 to go. Now, Pittsburgh, not to be outdone, had a few more heroics left. Uh, They had the touchdown throw on their next drive to make it 26 to 20 with 14 seconds to go. But if there was one time you were going to royally screw up, it was the onside kick. And instead, beautiful recovery. Georgia Tech gets a second win, first one under Brent Key. Yeah,
1: it was a very great thing to And um, We talked about it last week, and I was like, I hope. And I mean, I would be pretty happy and almost laugh if we could, you know, move an interim coach in and go down and beat this. Top twenty-five teams, I mean, whether they should have been or not, but that's what they were. Um, yeah. And you know, after the weekend, you know, we come out. You know, we're third. I mean, I know there's a lot of foreshadowing and way telling going, but technically <laughs> we are third in Coastal after that win. And that either is telling on either how bad the Coastal is, or there's not lot the games going on. Which is kind of how. There's not really a whole lot of games going on between the, and the ACC, at least for the coastal team. We've done a lot of out of conference games. Um, I mean, like I said, it's, Miami hasn't played uh, in a conference game at all. Pittsburgh, only, Pittsburgh U, UNC, they've only played one conference game. Um, and then us, Virginia Tech, and Virginia they only played two conference games. So, I mean,. But and that's the way that the rest of our schedule, the way our schedule wins is, you know, outside of the annual uh, UGA game and the first ACC game at the beginning of the year, you know, it's we stacked, you know, all the out-of-conference games there, and then we'll go on a run of our ACC to clear out what we're going to do with the rest of the year. But, yep. you know, that's, and you know, we'll talk about that. That's the thing we talk about every week. And But, no, you know, after this weekend, you know, it's good. But it's, great. We got the win. We got, got a good ACC win out. Um, and then, you know, we'll work on it and move along and see how we do with the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you're one and one in the conference now because, I mean, you did open up with Clemson and, and uh, you you had a chance to win that game. But, you know, you you get into your conference play, and like you said, kind of the way the the, the east side or the coastal side or whatever of the ACC looks, there's not – I mean, there's a couple at the top. I mean, you can see you Boston or, or even NC State's having a pretty good year, but nobody's really running away with it. So there's still kind of that outside shot that you guys can either sneak up in the rankings or maybe if you kind of turn it around, maybe find yourself a little higher.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, because, I mean, you know, with, with conference ranking, we're only looking at conference games. So, I mean, we may be 2-3. and three. <clears throat> We're only a game behind UNC and Duke, who are 4-1 overall, just because you know, that one conference loss. And, mm-hmm. Like I said, we're, we'll play uh, more ACC games coming on. And we'll talk about our next game a little game. bit. But yeah, it's really not that much. I mean, Duke and UNC or one of the other ones, the Coastal side, the only ones with, I mean, well, just, Miami doesn't have a loss in ACC, so they haven't played one yet. But and then on the other side, Clemson and Syracuse on the Atlantic side, I know they're the only ones, you know, they don't, don't have a loss on that side. And so they're, you know, 5-0 overall, but 3-0 or 2-0 in the conference. So it's really, like you said, it really could be anybody's game. It's, I outside of maybe Holyville, um, who's 0-3 <laughs> in conference, um, you mentioned NC State. They're having a good year. They're 4-1, um, but that, you know, that one loss is their ACC game, um, uh, mm-hmm. so it kind of puts them close to the bottom of the Atlantic, but, you know, it's one loss, you know, another win, and it moves them up the table, you know, Boston College already loses the table, so, I mean, the kind of way the ACC has been kind of every, um, after the 90s with Florida and Florida State and Miami kind of running everything, it's really been I mean, a few years, maybe Clemson, but it's really anybody's game. I mean, they would have thought that Pittsburgh would have been the champion last year. Yeah, that's um, true. And there goes another nod for us. We just we just beat the defending ACC champion. Exactly. And that puts them almost at the bottom of the coast. So – No, depending on what what they want to do, it could be anybody's game. I mean, they can see. I mean, this one we can see uh, maybe crazy, depending on what comes in Syracuse. I mean, you have Syracuse in the Atlantic, and technically on paper, it could be a Georgia Tech (laughs) Syracuse championship. Hey, I know. I know. I know
0: that would be a game worth tuning into. So, it, it maybe that will happen.
1: So, we yeah, I said, we've uh, got to stay things. The rest of the year, stay things what we talk about. Yep.
0: But it's good they get their second win. They they do it over the ranked opponent, like you said, as the ACC champion. There's a lot of notches to that. Uh, I hope they enjoyed their week. I hope they're ready to battle because uh, when we come back from break, we are going to each kind of make a case for a head coaching candidate and an AD. And we're going to also preview the game versus Duke this weekend. But first, let's hear a little bit about our friends at betonline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back. It's up with the white and gold with G.T. John Watts and Jeremy the Impact York. Uh, welcome back, first of all. Appreciate you guys uh, listening in a little bit about our friends at BetOnline.net. They do the articles. Do the betting lines, they do the help section, they do the podcast, they do so much of the work for you. If it is in the area you are at, please, I mean, even if it's not, go check out the podcast and go check out the articles. They have so much information that you could use even in your fantasy football leagues, uh, random conversations at work while you're stuck on elevators or MARTA trains, any of those fun places. It gives you all kinds of information you could use to sound super smart to random strangers. But. We said before the break we will talk about the Georgia Tech-Duke game here in a minute, but until they come up with a athletic director or until they hire a head coach, we get to play Fantasyland. And so we're each going to present a candidate. Um, I'll let you go first, and you can pick either the AD or the head coaching candidate, whichever one you pick. We both pick different ones. I made sure of that. And we're going to kind of present the case as to what they bring to the table, good, bad, and different. So I will let you go first.
1: All right, we we'll uh, start out with Athletic Director. Um, I believe everything i read that this um, – if this office will be done by the end of the month, I think they're really trying to, you know, get this taken care of by the 1st of November. Um, so I think we have a couple of weeks on kind of discussing this, if that does happen. Um, yep. But one of the ones that I've been kind of really seeing um, and looking at um, is – Army's athletic director, Mike Buddy. Hmm. Um he had a, um, been with um, the Army for, you know, from 2019 with uh, Karen, and, you know, he's done pretty well, and he's really known in the sports world. He played uh, baseball for Wake Forest, um, and he was drafted in uh, 1992 by the New York Yankees, uh, he would end up with uh, playing the Yankees and the Brewers from ninety eight to two thousand two. Well, he was a member of that nineteen ninety eight Yankees World Series team. Um and we're, we're kinda of side note he actually coached Kevin Cosner for his movie for the love of the game. Oh wow. Um, um so you know, after that he kinda of got away from baseball, he retired in oh three. Uh returned to away force for about a decade, um, doing differential you know, administrators things for baseball and soccer, golf, football, men's basketball. You know, kind of all over the place, you know, guy, well-rounded in, you know, their sports um, there and did pretty well, but kind of the biggest uh, thing, I think, was starting in 2005, excuse me, 2015, uh, going to Furman, uh, where he, uh, 2015 until 2019, about four years where he served as the athletic director. Um, no, you know, after taking over there, Furman, uh, would win 26 South conference championships, um, in the different sports. Um, she was able to negotiate multi-year partnerships with Nike. Um, was able to give Furman their first ever balanced budget for the, the department. So, you know, money is always a, a thing you want to worry about, um, especially in athletics, yep. um, He brought the basketball tournament back to Upstate South Carolina, the sorry, the the men's basketball tournament, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know also got them to do two future ones, Um, and then the football and volleyball programs. She was able to get three one million dollar endowments for the for the sports, Uh, so they had a pretty good uh, running there in athletic director for Furman. I think it would definitely be kind of something to kind of bring back to Tech. We've um, had that kind of discussion of, you know, that feeling of the sports. It's, I mean, across the board, we haven't had that feeling of, you know, hey, I'm going to watch No More Garcia Parra or Jason Veritek or Marcia Shera, you know, Chris Bosch playing basketball, Calvin you know, mm-hmm. Johnson playing football. Uh, just on a watch he's playing football, you know these names that we know so were there it's just we haven't had that feeling um and I not think he's definitely helped um bring back some of that um that feeling and bringing in those kind of things and we definitely need um to bring in that it's kind of hard because you know over the last several years, people not really wanting to be there, so I think it'll be a good thing for him you know, to come in
0: i I definitely think so, and I mean he's he might have a more extensive resume than the guy I'm going to bring up. But uh, – and and here's the other thing, because this this is not the head coaching candidate. I'm going to go to the AD, but this is not the head coaching candidate that either one of us are going to talk about tonight. But what's to say they don't try to make – Georgia Tech doesn't try to make a package deal for this and go Mike Buddy as the AD and then bring in uh, Jeff Munkin? the current head coach of army football and just make it a double army hiring. I mean, that's possible. That's not something we're going to talk about, but I just kind of thought of it when you brought up the army AD. I was like, you know, what if they try to get them both?
1: Yeah, there's definitely been um, that kind of discussion, I think, uh, with them in some other schools trying to do that. But I mean, that would be, I mean, understandable. I mean, buddy, and like I said, it's been there since May of twenty nineteen, and they both understand each other, so I mean that could work well. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily know that uh, that would happen, but that would be yeah, a I feel it's like
0: to get one or the other. I don't think Army's going to let them both out
1: of the building. <laughs> yeah, because um, depending on I don't know what their contract terms, but I don't think if Army yeah. really wants to do that. Right. All right. So
0: that was uh, that was Mike Buddy from Army. there's going to kind of be a theme here, uh, at least with the ADs, because um, the AD that I want to tell you about is somebody who came up immediately on the list. He is the current director of of athletics at the United States Air Force Academy. He is Nathan Pine. So we've got Army and Air Force already on our list. Maybe that's the kind of leadership we're actually looking for. Uh, This guy here, his alma mater is Oregon State. We will not hold that against him. But uh, his administrative career, from 2000 to 2005, he was the regional director at Oregon State. From 05 to 08, he was the associate AD at Army, so he's been at Army and Air Force. Uh, he was at Cal from 08 to 11 as the assistant AD, was Maryland's deputy AD for, from 2011 to 2014, 2014 to 2019, he was the athletic director at the College of the Holy Cross before in 2019. Must have been a big year for our military schools and academies because that's when he joined Air Force from 2019 to now. And uh, as as you said, he was known for his budget crunching and, and uh, you know, he's really good at doing that. Pine is has uh, oversaw a lot of aspects where they have gotten the gift programs back straightened up. Have straightened up a lot of budgets in a lot of the places he went, including Cal Berkeley, and everything I saw about this guy uh, seems like between Buddy and, and Pine, uh, they're they're pretty similar to each other in, in a lot of the things they do. Uh, Pine is really good at, at fundraising and uh, renovating stadiums. Because nothing personal, but Bobby Dodd could use at least a coat of paint, maybe some updated toilets, just a suggestion. <laughs> You know, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying a, a fresh coat of paint would mean a world of difference there. And I think some other renovations could could definitely help out if they wanted to do something like that. But uh everything I read too, this this uh, Nathan Pine everywhere he's been, he, he's never ran into problems. The only reason he seems to leave a lot of these places is to go for a, a better job or to go for a different job. And I mean, to me, he, he's—if you can't get Mike Buddy, because I kind of like him too—I think Nathan Pine is is somebody they should look at. And like I said, there's a there's a theme. You pick the Army guy, I pick the Air Force guy. Maybe that's the direction Georgia Tech wants to look.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're no stranger to having coaches from the military. I mean, we have Paul Johnson, who was in the Navy, had um, coached the Navy for a long time. So I mean i am got to see that there. Um now I mean I don't know about Nathan Time uh signing a contract extension last year so that would be a happy thing to let him go. Um I mean it just so, it depends on what they want to do. Yeah it definitely that, I mean we had yeah. I mean Colin yes. he still had a couple more you you want to yeah, pay it off paid it
0: off it's not that Georgia Tech couldn't find the money to either part of the buyout or figure out something, you know. Yeah. But all right, so we got two good AD candidates there. I'm actually making a list of these. Uh, I'm going to check it twice, maybe three times, because maybe I'm a little better than Santa. Just saying. Uh, let's go with your your head coaching candidate because it's somebody I'm familiar with, and it's somebody uh, we we mentioned a little more heavy when we talked about the list last week.
1: Yeah yeah definitely. Um and being you know, in the South and you know you in your you a show you kinda of covered george State football, you're definitely from, uh, familiar with this uh, candidate. Uh, looking at Jamie Chadwell, who's currently at uh, coastal Carolina. Um for what he's done for in mean, the Champions Players um in the last two years I and mean, they led Coastals so with their first ever Sun Belt title. Um mm-hmm. they won eleven games. Be top two top 25 teams that's never been done in coastal Carolina. Uh, first bowl game in school history. Um, I mean, he had Sun Belt player of the year and freshman of the year with his mm-hmm. right shirt of freshmen, Grayson McCall. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know, winning Sundelt scoring, that's one of the best defenses Sun Belt had. Um, for a, kind of a guy to come in and you know, he's came into the office coordinator and then unfortunately he was the head coach at the time had to you know take a medical sabbatical so it was kind of all right well here I am as interim head coach um in their first season at FBS and you know it's it was Don kind of hard. I think mean, it's a, a great thing to see him kind of step up and, you know, show what he can do for them and, you know, end up being, like I said, the head coach and do very well there. So I think, you know, being in the South and understanding the South, and I think he would be, you know, a pretty good know, candidate uh, for the job, I'd say. Yeah,
0: and outside of a couple of the things I said last week about seeing him coach up front, just, I mean, I saw him, what, two Thursdays ago? Two or three Thursdays ago, I uh, I lose track of my Thursdays now. But uh, the other thing to add is that Coastal Carolina is currently one of two undefeated teams in the Sun Belt. The other one, they are five and zero. James Madison, a new addition to the Sun Belt, is four and zero. Both in the Eastern Conference, which is the more loaded side. Uh, It's nothing personal to the Western side, but the Eastern side is where most of the big hammers are. Like I said, I've seen this guy close close and up front and coaching, those kids really do buy in really quickly to what he's doing, and that's, that, I think, should speak volumes on something Georgia Tech should look for, whether it's Jamie Chadwell, whether it's whoever they decide to get. The fact that people buy into what Jamie Chadwell does so quickly and want to, to go to war for him so quickly, that's, that's what's going to turn around this program as fast as it can. Yeah, I definitely,
1: that's something. Uh, and that's something that Collins tried to do, you know, mm-hmm. kind of come in with the culture, the 404 culture, um Wobble House It's kind of weird thing. But, yeah. you know, that piece of it, it works. So yeah. for what Jamie was able to do is come in and the team buy into it and have it show on the field that they're truly buying into it. Like you said, two um, – one of the two undefeated teams and you know, we're talking coastal James Madison, and App State, um both you know, the Georgia teams and all yep. on this one side definitely stacked. Um and you even got Marshall who had a nice upset um yep. week ago. Um so yeah I mean definitely that's definitely a strong point Lee has there um that that would help kinda of bring in his you know, going several years at three three wins a season, your morale is you know down the you know what. Um yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something that needs to be that to be brought in and and definitely a payload for you. Yeah. Something really do there.
0: And, you know, you pick a coach that is uh currently undefeated and the coach I am going to present is also undefeated he is currently one and0 in the interim head coach of Georgia Tech I think Brent key should be considered because you could say well new coach of course they're going to play for the new coach maybe they didn't want to play for the old coach well, yeah but they could have also given up and, and had this guy run out of town too or just you know not cared about it and the fact what sold it for me because normally I, I I say that I'm the first one to tell people that well you got rid of your other coach clearly him here, so they're running him out of town. So these players are just maybe they like the other guy better, or maybe they just you know decided to prove that they didn't like the other guy so much that once he's gone, they're going to win a game. It just kind of beginner's luck type thing, you know. Of course they're going to win the bounce back, but seeing him so emotional after the game when they're trying to interview him, and and as much as you know, I, I blow up our group chats all the time complaining about these sideline reporters awful questions they have, and most of the time it's because of the earpiece is in, the, in their ear telling them what to say. And First of all, let me give advice there. Don't listen to that earpiece. Ask the right question. The coaches appreciate it too, and it saves you from getting yelled at by Nick Saban. But you could tell he starts to get emotional, and she did the right thing. She not only, she, she played into it. She didn't try to get more emotion out of him. She started with a question that said, Coach, you're really emotional right now uh you know wh- like where does the emotion come from, or she asked it something like that and and he right. and he just to watch these guys fight for this and and to to know that yeah, things aren't great here, and you can do one of two things you can either quit you know uh once again there's there's a famous coach around here, Charles Jetmore, that says the same thing that the easiest thing you'll ever do is to quit and go home. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do and to see Brent Key get so emotional and and just so into it that he said, these guys didn't quit. They could have, they could have easily done it, wrote out their scholarships, whatever I'm paraphrasing at this point, but they Mm -hmm. continued to fight. They never let Pittsburgh really get the upper hand of ranked team. We've, we talked about their credentials and everything. And I think he feels like that they at least bought into what he's doing for now, even if that's just till the end of the year. So I think Brent Key, let's, Let's uh, let's keep him in-house, and let's find an AD that wants to work with him.
1: Yes, I mean, definitely good things. I mean, one of the you know, good thing on that side is, you know, you don't have to worry about the you know, team buying into him or him coming in from somewhere else. So he's he's been here now as a player, as a coach, Um and, you know, he understands, I mean, what's going on. He understands, like I said, he feels he that. So, and not afraid to you know, show that, but he's he definitely walked in. So, um, I mean, interim head coach, he's an offensive line coach, a run game coordinator. Um, so, mm-hmm. he, you know, definitely has that offensive um, mindset, which, you know, has been great for us. That's um, one, I mean, I'm glad you brought this one up. It's, kind of on the back of my mind as well is, you know, the talks that we may not see a new coach before the end of the year. So, I mean, what can he do with this thing for the rest of the year? And, you know, maybe we have a great year it out. And, you know, he proves his worth. It. Maybe maybe, he definitely should have a, a look at what he does. Because mm-hmm. um, they're what? Yeah, definitely...
0: there are two and three now? They're five games in, Right.
1: I'm sorry
0: about that. I said, so they're two and three right now. They're they're five games in, correct? Correct. So there's seven more games to go. So if he wins three or four of those, I mean, obviously four would be ideal. I mean, more than that would be ideal. But four gets you into a bowl game, something that has not been consistent out out at at, uh, Georgia Tech. But uh, if he wins, like I said, if he wins three or four of those seven, I I think – you got to consider that a success. And, you know, you give him the option. If you do keep him around, you say, uh, you know, Hey, you're welcome to to do what you want with the coaching staff, but he's probably going to keep most of these guys here. He may only flip out one or two, or you're going to have one or two that want to move on to somewhere else. So you're not going to have a complete overhaul in in the coaches room too.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, technically two more wins. I mean, an improvement in the last three years. So uh-huh. and like I said, we got one, two, two like I said, seven more games. Um Georgia, yeah. I mean, we can be realistic on that one. Um, but you know the other six, um, I mean really I mean, I mean could I mean, be I mean,
0: if I mean when you say Georgia, I mean look at the last couple of weeks where they they played down to Kent State, they played down to Missouri. If they're gonna play down to their competition, uh, then Georgia Tech's got just as good of a chance to beat them as Missouri or Kent State did.
1: Yeah. And, you know, depending on, you know, how the other fifth games go, I mean, we could be kind of rolling in there and ready to play. I mean, it's one of those kind of games that we talked about in the beginning of the season is, I mean, we know who they are. Mm-hmm. We play them every year forever. So we understand who they are. We know what they do last year. We know what they're doing this year. So it's not not a reasonable. um, I mean, it's been very far and few over the last 10, 20 years. But, you know, there are there. There are some wins there.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about this game in a second. But um, uh, Duke is only a a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, coming up this weekend. That's a potential win. Uh, I think you've got a good chance against Virginia following that. Florida State could be interesting. We'll, we'll kind of throw it to the side for a minute. Uh, Virginia Tech has the same record as you. Miami is uh, has one less loss at this point than you. Uh, North Carolina is having a pretty decent year. But, you know, we don't know how things are going to shake out between here and there. And then the game. So, you know, technically there's three or four wins sitting out there, maybe more.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, historically, some of these games really kind of have been a, a coin flip. Um, Duke, USC, you know they're the two above us in the Coastal. Um, but I'm really, I mean, Virginia, Virginia, USC, Duke, I mean, it really could be anybody's game. I mean, looking at it historically. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, Florida State could be interesting. It's I mean, Again, we, we've had the wins against them, uh, even when they were – Pretty pretty high up in the rankings. So, miracle on Techwood. Had to throw that in there. Um, so yeah,
0: I mean, It mean really? Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, like was, you said, you're, you're third in the coastal uh, side of the Atlantic Coast Conference of the ACC. Like you said, Duke is is four and one. UNC is four and one at this point. They're both one and zero in conference play. You're one and one. You and Virginia Tech both have a win and a loss in conference. You're both two and three. Uh, you look at Miami; hadn't played in the conference yet. They're two and two overall. Pitt is three and two. But if it comes down to a tiebreaker, you have the tiebreaker over them. Plus, they're zero oh and one now. Uh Virginia's zero oh and two in the conference, and they're two and three. So you see this kind of jumbled, jumbled mess that's pretty much three through seven or whatever. So it's technically kind of wide open.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's the only way the ACC kind of runs. It's year to year. You really don't know uh, how they're going to go. Um, so it's something you really got to tune into and watch all season. Um, really, I mean, any – I mean, I know we're talking football here, but that's what ACC is in any of their sports. I mean, it really could be anybody here. Um, I know, you know you'll hear people talk about the ACC, the best in the land, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I've always, even before I went to Tech, I was following ACC teams. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's always been where uh, I my have my heart and i mean, it's always been. So, going mm-hmm. to Tech was, I mean, I was going to end up probably at some ACC school, um, whether it would have been Florida State or Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. Um, so, yeah, definitely, I think it's going to be interesting the rest of the season. Uh, we'll kind of look at it week to week. Like we always
0: do. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So let's let's get into that. Obviously, Georgia Tech is going to play Duke this weekend. That is a 4 p.m. start. Uh, you, you guys are getting right up there with, with Georgia State with these weird kickoff times. They love 2 o'clock. You guys like 4 o'clock for some reason. But I, I'm just going to explain this to the audience. If you don't follow college football much, on Saturdays, there is a 12 o'clock window. There's about a a 3 to 3.30 window, and then there's like seven, eight games at at the the back of the night. Then there's like the 10 o'clock Pacific Coast stuff. For some reason, you guys want to play at 4 o'clock at home, and uh, I don't know if that is because it's homecoming or um, maybe the varsity has happy hour. I'm not real sure why you're playing at 4 o'clock, but uh, what are your overall thoughts on this game with Duke?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have kind of said that maybe we delayed it for maybe some uh, pre-game uh, festivities, but, you know, it's, it's, it's Georgia Tech. And, I mean, we would have had pre-game festivities anyway. Uh, so I know personally it's like I said, it's homecoming. Um, I get the invites every year to go back and do things. So I know it's, it's an early game. We have we have brunch. It was a later game, and then we just kind of did different foods. So, I mean, we're always going to have a um, – Things going on, um, and it's my first time this season we've had a four o'clock game, so I don't think right. that has anything to do with home. But you know, just weird things we get. Um, we get four o'clock on ESPN three. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, kind of coming down to it, it's um, going to be, I think, kind of close. Uh, Duke's coming in, um, with their you know, their only loss is to Kansas uh with the ranked team. Uh so these are things that uh we definitely uh that we have been doing and maybe improve a little bit on we should be I mean we like said it's a, a three and a half. Um so that's not really that big it's just more of a field goal there. But not that big of a line uh right now. Well so for people be that big.
0: don't understand setting lines and Vegas and stuff like that. Uh being being a three and a half favorite on the road means that this game was played at Duke because they would be a six and a half because you usually get three points for being the home team. So you know, they're technically saying it's a touchdown game, right?
1: And I mean, that's you know, definitely possible <laughs> there. I'm pretty close, like that.
0: So, so yeah, let's, see if, up. let's see if uh, if you agree with this. I'm looking at the ESPN Football Power Index. Um, what percentage would you say, according to the ESPN Football Power Index and whatever random dark basement that's calculated in? Um, what percentage out of a hundred would you say that this power index would give
1: Duke? Uh, we're talking ESPN. Yes. yes. So, knowing them, probably eighty ninety percent.
0: How about sixty percent? Whatever their power index is, it's pretty much a 60 40 game according to the way they look at it. And I, I think that's pretty on par with what we're saying. Yeah,
1: I mean, I feel pretty good. I mean, I mean, again, you know, that same index gave Pitt 90% chance of winning last week. Not in that. So, I mean, um, uh, I but, the
0: whatever deep, yeah. dark, damp basement, uh, the 3Ds there. Uh, basement that they're calculating that in. Uh, I, I actually think this was kind of accurate. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, uh, it be close. I mean, because I mean, six forty is not too bad to be off. Um, so yeah, I mean,
1: that, that's pretty could be pretty good on there. So let's
0: get into our three keys to victory. Georgia Tech being able to uh, pull out this victory versus Duke. I will let you go first.
1: So let, let me go first. first. All right. Um, <laughs> I think what we really want to do is uh, definitely what we did against um, Pitt is the turnovers. You know, we yeah. were plus three in turnovers against Pitt, and you know, that really led to. You know, Stalling out their drives and really helping ours. Um, so I think if we can um, control on that, it would be good. Now, Duke is not really attending to turn the ball over. I mean, they had two interceptions on the season. Um, but, I mean, if we can do something with that and really kind of capitalize on that. I mean, it would it definitely help. All
0: right. Well, second one you're not going to stop this guy. So you need to contain him, make them change up their game plan, Uh, contain Riley Leonard. For people who don't know, Riley Leonard is the quarterback for Duke. They love to spread the ball around, and uh, this kid is from Fairhope, Alabama. They are a very laid-back, very cool town. I have actually attended a wedding in Fairhope. That is a fantastic hometown with a great French quarter for anybody down in the Gulf Coast down there. Shout-out Fairhope. But – He's already thrown for eleven 1, hundred and seventy six yards. Seven touchdowns, two receptions. Um let's see. Does he did he does he run to, I think Yeah, there we go. He he does run some. Trying to see what what he did do. Oh, stats. There we go. The stats bar. That's what I'm probably gonna look for uh he's ran a little bit he has 41 carries for 260 yards four rushing touchdowns this year so he can if you flush him out of the pocket he's can scramble a little bit he's probably not going to just take off which should go into the strategy of let's let's cut down on on the amount of passes he's throwing let's make him make decisions faster than he wants to and let's make them run the ball more because i think you're going to have a better chance with that uh, their leading rusher has 58 carries for 308 yards and four touchdowns. That sounds like a goal line sniper to me. That doesn't sound like somebody with a, a breakout, you know, running
1: performance. Yeah, I definitely um, agree there. I mean, quarterback has uh, really been more of a uh, player there. He's greater than that. And I definitely agree on, on that. Um, I think we can uh, kind of limit limit those um, um plays, make them do the run game and you know have our defense step up and kinda of, again go along with my thing about forcing turnovers if we can you kind know, of force them to the run game and have our you know our defensive line and, and stop them slowing down, that'll definitely be a good thing. Yep, I absolutely agree.
0: All right. We can either do this collectively, or, or if you got one, we will roll with it. What is the third key to victory for Georgia Tech versus Duke this weekend?
1: Uh, personally, I think when uh, you kind of mentioned for us to force them to run game, I think a run game for us really needs to be. I mean, a thing that we need to do. Um, Kansas uh, was able to really rip them apart with their run game, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Defensive for that run game been kind of off here and there uh, against other teams. So I think if we can really get that um, ground game going, um, and it would really help kind of break through there. And then maybe I mean having against Pitt, we were 232 yards rushing. Uh, Normally Sims is the one doing it, and it wasn't a great game for him uh, rushing. So I mean we we spread that out. Even even if we get Sims going uh, better than just Pitt and, and the rest of them, um, I think we could really run the game.
0: Yep, I, I definitely agree with that. That's uh, if you if you didn't bring it up, I was I was going to go that direction too. So our three keys to victory for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets over the Dukes this weekend: number one you got to win the turnover battle. The fact that you were plus three last week absolutely had a lot to do with why you were in control of the game. Uh, number two, you've got to contain Riley Leonard. Force him to uh, either make decisions faster than he wants to or force him to scramble around where it's, you know, it's not something he relies on, but he can do. And lastly, the Georgia Tech run game needs to step it up because that may be a weak point on this Duke defense. I think if you do those things, this this game could definitely be a, another Yellow Jacket win.
1: Yeah, definitely, number of great keys there. I mean, we could get I mean, two back to back wins and go to we'll go to five hundred with three wins. We match our total you know, before match our total that we've had the last three years before we're halfway done with the season. Uh, it would definitely be another uh, stride in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll put this out here now, uh, you know, because I'm sure that he listens to the show. So uh, current interim head coach Brent Key, uh, you pull off this victory and uh, dinner at the varsity is on me. It will probably not be on Saturday because I will be down the road at a different game. But somewhere <laughs> down the road, man, Chili Dog's on me. If, if you pull this off, Coach Key, Chili dogs and, and uh, varsity oranges on me. <laughs> what
1: do you have? What do you, yeah, have? you have?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, if he wants to eat clean, they've got some good chicken sandwiches. They've got fantastic food. Uh, they do not sponsor yeah. this podcast, so I'm not going to say much more about them. But if they <laughs> wanted to, we told them at the beginning of the show all the ways they could do that, and we would happily accept. Um, we would happily accept food as payment, even about them each and every week. But I, I think I think that about wraps up um, Georgia Tech for the week. They got the big game coming up. We just talked about. We gave you guys some some candidates to think about for AD and and head coach. Kind of previewed. I mean, reviewed everything that went on last week. And picking up the second win of the year, it, it puts you right in the middle of the ACC. I, I actually think it's for lack of a better way to say it, it's kind of on the up and up with the white and gold. Yeah.
1: I'm definitely um, looking forward to that. And I'll definitely agree there. And it'll be good
0: to see, you know, only this week and the rest of the, rest of the season, how this ACC turns out. Yep. I, I think it's going to be a, another fun conference. Um I would venture to say that behind the Sun Belt, and I'm a little biased on this, but not much when you actually get into it. Uh, The Sun Belt is the fun belt. It is so much fun to watch because everybody is is almost on equal playing field all the time. But uh, behind the Sun Belt, the ACC, especially over there on the coastal side, I think is going to be really fun to watch this year because all the teams really are right there together.
1: Yeah, definitely a um, good thing. I, mean, that's, I think what definitely uh, drove to create the ATT is, you know, that close proximity our family. Um, and, you know, it feels like a good conference. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, like I said, good, good to watch the rest of the season.
0: Yep, and we will be right here watching, and we'll be right here talking about it each and every week. So, for GT John Watts, I am Jeremy the Imp. This has been Up With the White and Gold. We will see you guys next week. Go Jackets.